Welcome to the Pole Art Vault's podcast show. I'm Chloe, your host of the show and the founder of the Pole Art Vault. This is your podcast where we talk about pole art, pole dance, personal development, and improving your mindset. Before we dive in, remember you can find the video version of this episode along with other free tips and Q&As on our website at poleartvault.com or on our Pole Art Vault YouTube channel. All right, welcome to the fourth episode and we have a very special guest here today. Um, she is Luna. Hey. <laughs> Luna is a city-based pole dancing instructor and aerial performer who is known for her flexi flows and known for her spins and shapes as well. She's performed all over the world pretty much. Oh wow, like Asia, Europe, Russia, and she's been teaching for nine years so far. So please welcome Luna. Thank you. Grand. The super grand. Yeah, literally. It's good to be here. God, you make me sound so good. It's great. Well, you are amazing. So thank you so much for coming. Hey, we had to do the things. Literally. I've been like so excited to do this interview because I feel like I've known you for a while now. And I feel like I haven't really like gotten to know you on like a personal level per se. Okay, we're gonna get the dirty questions. Yeah, literally. So, um, just to kind of give a quick background, like I've known Luna for like, I think, well, pretty much like since I started pole. So like, I think you were baby polo when I started. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So like, I think I was like an inter, inter two or like mm-hmm. inter three or something. So you were like one of like my first, one of my first instructors at Bobby's pole studio in, on Elizabeth street. Yeah. So. I've known you for a while. It has been a while. Yeah. And it's literally been, no, little Chloe didn't do beginners. She jumped all the way through to all of the hard stuff straight away. <laughs> so it was like picking up an advanced student who just walked through the door, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> and, and then we obviously saw each other again at Sydney Pole. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I followed you to Sydney Pole. Oh, stop it. I, I literally did. Because I was like, where's Luna? Because I came back from like overseas or uh, something. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. I need to find Luna. Like she's gone for Bobby's. <laughs> I need to go find her. And lo and behold, I found you at Sydney Falls. So yeah. yeah. And now so, we're here on your platform, which is so cool. Yeah. I know. Like, it's just like such a long journey, like from knowing you from like, I guess four years ago Yeah, when I started and now being here, it's kind of like a it's full, full circle. circle. Yeah, totally. So let's kind of like, just firstly talk about like how, like you your upbringing was and then up till like when you started pole yeah totally cool so my upbringing is probably very very boring so i (laughs) i grew up in central queensland so in basically a relatively small country town i think there was probably about sixty thousand people or so there um its claim to fame was cattle and farming and all of that kind of stuff so Here I am going to school, not particularly into sports, um, pretty quiet, wasn't super popular, I wasn't really extroverted, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And yeah, kind of sat in the background a little bit and was just like, I'll study and I'll do the things and, you know, go to uni and do all that sort of stuff. Um, So wasn't really into dance, sport, exercise, fitness, anything like that whatsoever. Um, It was kind of always... 
not drilled into me, but kind of the message that came through education and that sort of thing was that you can only be good at one thing. So you can only either be, you're either smart or you're sporty. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly I'm one and I'm not the other, so let's not even try. Oh, that's interesting. Was that just like in the schooling system or? Very much so. Um, You know, they kind of wanted to send you down different paths. So either, you know, you were sent down an academic path. So it was all study and you're going to get into uni and you're going to do all of these different things. Um, And if you did that, then there wasn't a lot of encouragement or focus or emphasis on doing any of the sporting side of it. Um, And it certainly wasn't something that, you know, it's the other side was encouraged to do either. It's if they were good at sports they're really encouraged to excel at it and represent the school and the state and all of that kind of stuff, but not necessarily encouraged to, you know, study a little bit more and are you going to go to uni after school or anything like that. Um, So I think it was just the way that it was from a a country town type of perspective and that's what Mm. their background was, that's what they knew. Um, So that's kind of what I took on board and I'm like, okay, cool, well, I'll do this. So, you know, study, get the degree, come to Sydney Um, moved down got a job and then you know as you do you explore the world and you have a good time and you party and all of that kind of stuff and then randomly one day there was ironically the studio that you mentioned before Bobby's um, they started doing pole dance lessons in a strip club at the time there wasn't any pole studios in existence um, and they put up this article, I think it was in, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald or something like that, when you actually had physical newspapers. So I've been around for a while. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Back in the day. And the Bobby was running with Vanessa, who still owns Bobby's Pole Studio. Um, some classes, I think it was for a handful of people. You'd rock up. There was one pole on a stage type of thing. And I, here's the kind of story. I inquired and I'm like, yeah, this will be great. And they're like, cool, come along, blah, blah, blah. Here's how much it costs. I'm like, right, cool, book me in. And then it got to the day and I kind of, I bought admission. I freaked out. I'm like, mm, I'm a bit scared. Don't really want to go into a, a club. All of this, this is a bit intimidating. Um, and then kind of left it sit for another six months, a year, something like that. And then by that time they'd opened a studio. And for whatever reason, the idea came up again. So I did another search online okay cool there's a studio let's go along let's have a little bit of a, a try of this and I got in there and the very first class I did was with um Candace I think it was oh yeah, so little tiny redhead pocket rocket she won MPD one of the early years super extroverted super bubbly amazing and really really strong and I kind of I got in there and I'm like okay this is this is so strange this is such an environment that I've never been in before And I think the internal monologue in the back of my head was, I'm going to do this once, I'm going to tick it off, and I probably will be really bad at it. I probably won't be able to do stuff, but I can say that I've tried it, and then we'll walk away and we'll wipe the slate clean. And pretty much the first spin, I'm like, this is amazing. Oh, my God, I love this. (laughs) This is like flying. It's so good. And it just, it's felt right on my body. I enjoyed it. I'm like, hang on, this what this is what sport is this is what dance is this is what fitness is you know you were doing tricks you were climbing up and down the thing you were dancing you were doing choreography you know you you cracked a lot of sweat and you definitely were sore for days afterwards (laughs) it's not just bruises and skin burns and all of that kind of stuff but you know the muscles that you never knew that you had 
but you didn't realise because you were having so much fun at the time. Mm. And pretty much from there it became a bit of an addiction. So I was that person who started with, you know, one beginner's class a week and it wasn't very long. I think it was like literally the next term. I'm like, cool, let me book into three or four of them. And then I think at wow. one stage I, I was up to probably nine or ten classes a week or something like that what? as a student. I'm pretty sure I was doing my day job to pay for my pole dancing <gasps> classes and addiction. Oh, my God. But it was just – it was something that was so satisfying. It was something that I'd never done before and didn't think I could do. Mm. So, you know, having been given that background of, you know, you're – you're the academic, you're the, the smart book person, you're not the sporty person. So you, you have that construct there and you're like, yeah, 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 I probably won't be able to do this. And then suddenly the door opens and you realise not only you can, but you enjoy it and you're good at it. Mm. And there's a whole world that opens up about what you're capable of. Um, but the funny thing that I found out of that was it opened my mind to a lot of other things as well about what I, I thought I might not have been able to do or wasn't game to explore or wasn't confident enough to, to look into or even try, all of a sudden you're like, well, if I can do that, then maybe I can do that. Mm. And so you start exploring other things and then, you know, some of those things you like and you're good at and you're like, oh, so maybe it's bigger and bigger and bigger and each little bit, it grows and it adds to your confidence and it adds to your repertoire of everything that you think that you're capable of. Mm -hmm. um, and the great irony of that is if I think back to the person that I was in school and growing up, there's no way that I could sit here talking to you in front of a camera right now. There's no way that I would have been able to stand up in front of a classroom of people and teach normally. There's no way that I could have ever gotten a stage. And yet these things are pretty normal now. Mm. I was that person who would literally at school be told, you know, you have to get up and do a presentation. I would shake. I would sweat. I would go red. My mind would go blank. It's I hated being in front of people mm. because I thought I was being judged and all of that kind of stuff. And all of these things kind of, they strip that away. They take that away and you realise how much more you're capable of than what you actually think initially wow I absolutely love that and I, I totally resonate to that too because I was that kid as well you know like I hated you know presentations and whatnot so like what why do you think like that mind like where do you think that mind shift kind of changed and like where do you think it came about like think, in your journey I think it was pretty early on as well um because simply the fact that I was also like a, a pretty pretty lean, skinny type of individual, didn't necessarily think that I had strength or anything either to do that. And mm. then suddenly not only are you doing these things that you're kind of perceiving to need strength to do, but you're getting stronger both physically and mentally. You know, you've, you've got to be physically strong to get through and mentally strong, I should say, to get through some of the bruises and the bashing and the, the fear barriers of doing some of this. You know, mm. hi, we're hanging upside down by your toes that's a really not normal thing to do. That's a, <laughs> no, that's a big barrier for humans to, to be like, okay, cool. Can I trust myself to do this? Am I capable of doing it? Can I back myself to do this? You know, what's the, what's the worst case scenario that's going to happen? Okay, well, I don't get up. What, is that going to change anything? No. And you start then applying that to the rest of your life. So mm. even 
I was able to translate that back into my day job and my working environment at the time. And all of a sudden that started exploding and going far better because I wasn't afraid to try things. I wasn't afraid to voice my opinion. I wasn't um, afraid to experiment or talk to, you know, senior managers or CEO or anything and go, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? Mm. So you, you get that extra little boost in capability that just as much as it seems really small over time, it builds so quickly and it just it manifests in so many different parts of your life. Um, it has pole has changed my life. Oh, wow, it's, and that's not you know it, that's not in any small tiny way. It's not like you know I started pole and therefore I get to wear sparkly costumes type of thing. That's <laughs> nice, and you do that on stage type of thing and in photo shoots. But the the real thing that it's changed is internally my own perception of myself, what I'm capable of doing. And pretty much you realize that if you want to do anything, you can. So it doesn't matter what it is. So it spills over to every single part of your life. When you realize that if you try, you're capable, you can build that confidence, anything you want is actually possible. Mm, Totally. Oh, that's so inspiring because I feel like a lot of people can definitely resonate to that. Like when they start pole, maybe initially like they don't have that confidence or they don't you know, know who they are and they're just, you know, at that stage of like exploring themselves. And then once they start and they realize that they're capable of doing these tricks and they achieve something, it's like, it's like a confidence boost, you know, it's a really beautiful thing to see when you're teaching as well. So, you know, especially when you're teaching beginners and people who've never touched a pole or never walked in and been around that environment before, it's, you know, it's sometimes in a studio, it's quite intimidating where there's a mirror in front of them and Mm. they have to walk in and they're seeing themselves for the first time in this type of environment. And, you know, they don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. They're quite covered up, you know, long shorts, all of this type of thing. And bit by bit, you see week by week. And again, it doesn't take very long. Them suddenly start to look up and look at themselves in the mirror and you when they get a trick you see the little smile come out Mm. and you see them stand a little bit taller and then the next week they're more willing to have a little bit more of a go and then they'll hold it for longer and then they get a little bit more excited and the shorts will get a little bit shorter Mm. not because they're thinking that they want to show off but they're so focused on what they can do now and how to do better and to improve the skill it takes the focus on the physicality of what it looks like and mm. it's more about what can I do? What am I capable of? How does that make me feel? And the the look and the idea of it starts to disappear and fade away. So you see them just start to glow and burst. Yeah. And it's this lovely thing from the first day that they walk in to, you know, not even a matter of weeks, a month or two later, it's hi, you know, there's this new person that's suddenly a lot more prouder, a lot happier of themselves and their body and, you know, they're willing to be more social, all of these nice little extras that you wouldn't necessarily attach to something that is really, it's a metal pole that spins. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, like, so when you kind of, like, made that decision to, I guess, transition from, you know, being obsessed with, purely just being obsessed with dancing too, kind of like instructing what, what was that transition like? And also kind of like, I also want to know, like, what's your drive to be an instructor? Ah, okay. 
So my instructor path is also um, quite varied in how it works. So when I was obsessed as that student, there was a lot of tricks and things that I love the visuals of. So I loved all of the bendy moves and the flexible moves. And it's kind of ironic because that's my signature per se these days. But I wasn't a bendy or flexible person to start with. I was, you know, touching my toes. What? What is that? I remember in my very first class, um, the instructor had us in the warm-up, you know, fold forward to touch the floor, and I couldn't touch the floor, um, that kind of thing. But because I liked what they looked like, and I was watching people like Felix at the time doing these beautiful back flexy and splitty moves and all of that kind of stuff, I started trying to get myself more educated in how that worked. So one of the ways of doing that was to actually um, do my yoga teacher training and I became a yoga teacher initially. That was actually so an unusual path to end up teaching pole, mm. but it gave me a really, really good solid foundation as to what people are trying to feel and how it works in their body. So a really good solid anatomical foundation, mm. um, structurally how the body works how you use it safely, how you can actually extend on it, but make it safe and make it enjoyable and not make it something that's a, an injury-causing type of experience. That's so interesting. I took that on board and was doing that, was teaching yoga while still being an obsessed pole student. Mm -hmm. And the irony at the time, the, the person who is still voted the, the number one pole dancer in Australia, the most influential, Chile, tapped me on the shoulder one day um, I think it was at the, the start of class or something like that. I was doing a class with her and she's like, so have you ever thought about this? You know, I think you'd be good at this. So it, it was funny at the time I was like, oh, let me think about it. I didn't jump at it as an opportunity because there was very much the whole, oh, do I want to combine my love of and my passion of something that I enjoy so much with what I potentially could be seen as work? which mm. work would be teaching. Yeah. So I took it home that night. I thought about it. I'm like, mm, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Let me let me try it. And if I don't like it after, you know, a term or something like that, then I'll just say, look, thanks so much for the opportunity, but I'd really rather just, you know, dance and do it for myself. Mm. And so I messaged her back and I'm like, yep, cool. It's let's Let's do this. Let's see what happens. And... Then I started covering classes, I started teaching, you know, bits and pieces along the way. And what I found was that the, the fact that I had so much passion for it and also really wanted to share, that came across quite genuinely to everybody. And it, mm. like, it is very genuine. I'm not that person in the room who needs to be in front and every, have everybody like, oh my God, you're amazing. It's, that's not what I'm about as a teacher I'm like every barrier um, difficulty trick that I had to figure out every different type of hint and piece behind doing something that is actually quite difficult every struggle I've had I want to be able to package up and give you all of the tips and tricks to be able to get that mm. so that you can do that way easier than I had to figure things out mm. along the way and safer and not get injured and do all of these different things and to be able to go, you know what, if you can end up doing that better than me, mint, I am totally happy with that. And I'm super proud of you for being able to do that. Um, and I've done my job as an instructor in passing on that knowledge and being able to share that with you and get you to a space where 
not only does it make sense, but it fits into your body and connects and you can actually then translate it into something that works for you mm. as well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a strange little interesting path. I kind of dipped my toe in and went, let's just see how we go. But I found that doing that and sharing it, I had a real love for what that response was and seeing people go, you know, I'm conquering this. I'm bossing it now Mm. and being able to be a facilitator of that. Yeah. Um, And so then basically it exploded (laughs) from Mm -hmm. there. So I ended up teaching way more than I ever expected. Um, Took a a few years out. Yeah. Well aware. Just just a lot. Yeah. Uh, took a few years out of um, my corporate job actually to do it full time um, and that's something that my family basically looked at me like I was crazy <laughs> and she's like you're walking away from a solid secure job to teach people to spin and hang upside down mm. yes yes that's exactly what I'm doing um, and then did that for the best part of about three years full time and then ended up um, now marrying the two up. So yes, yeah. I've still got a corporate career, um, but have the ability to teach quite a lot of classes. I cross both pole and aerial and dance and contortion and all sorts of different things. Yeah, all the things that I love, floor work, tricks that I'm passionate about, um, and such a, an enriching type of balance for that as well. So it's the mental brain day job and the really creative, nurturing, passionate information, supportive environment mm. of pole. Love that. I mean, gosh, you teach, you do teach a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like when you said you, you teach, yeah, a fair bit. I'm like, what do you mean a fair bit? Like it's, it's a lot. So how many, how many hours are you teaching now? Oh goodness me. It'd probably be something like 15 to 20 or something like that. <laughs> Plus your day job. Plus the day job. Yeah. My gosh, and your day job isn't like a. It's not exactly a nine to five, right? It's it's a big job. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So it's a big job in technology and analytics, and you know I've got a a good team of people that I manage and all that kind of stuff for a a pretty big brand, um, an Australian brand, and it's that kind of it ticks off a different part of my brain and my personality as to what kind of it provides and why I do it and all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, it's, you, you have the stability that is, if you do get injured or something like that along mm, the way, it's, yeah. you're still able to have an income. So that's definitely one of the reasons for it mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm very aware that, you know, the longer you do this kind of stuff and the more dangerous and tricky we get um, with it all, particularly in, like, you know, competitions and all of that sort of stuff, there yeah. is a risk involved in doing it. Mm. Um, and, you know, as much as you can train safely, there, there's always going to be that one time that an accident just happens. You're, you're tired or your hand slips or something like that. Mm. That's always the, the 1% type of thing. Yeah. So having the ability to have just a, a stable, secure thing that gives you a sense of peace of mind mm-hmm. um, while you're doing it. But it is the reason why I teach so much is not only because I love it, but it provides such a contrast, such a balance for me um, mentally and emotionally as well, because it's such a different group of individuals. It's people go and they come to class because they want to enjoy themselves. Mm. You know, they want to be challenged, but it's their fun time. It's their personal time. Mm-hmm. They're choosing to be there. Yeah. They're choosing to spend their time in that environment. Um, you know, work you go, it's, yeah, it's fulfilling, but you're also going because you're paid. 
mm. to be there. Yeah. Whereas people are going, they're paying to be at those classes. Mm-hmm. So the vibe, the reason for being there, the just general sense of energy mm-hmm. that's in those spaces is very different. Mm. And everybody is creative and upbeat and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even if people have had bad days, it doesn't take long for them to, you know, spend a couple of little minutes in the time having that transition between whatever happened outside the room, that, that doesn't matter. For this next hour or so, this is your time. This is your time to enjoy yourself, to mm. just be with you and forget about everything else that's going on, um, to focus on something that you love, that you're trying to get better at. And, you know, you're with generally in a classroom, a group of like-minded individuals, or even if you're doing it online, there's so much of a community like in a room of people so you can have somebody who's a doctor who's a student who's a mum who's just dropped their kids off with you know childcare or a partner um, you can have somebody that's just been divorced coming back and they're using this to kind of feel a little bit more of a sense of themselves and find themselves men women straight tall short big small doesn't actually matter like everybody is valid in that room Mm. so everybody's there they've all rocked up they've all made the effort to get themselves to that same spot with that intention of going yeah this is my hour i want to learn something here i want to do something for myself Mm. and every single person is capable of doing that Mm. Um, and it, it doesn't matter what your background is whether you've done sporty things before or not i mean i'm a walking example of that kind of stuff um Everybody has also got their own objectives and journey and growth that they want to get out of it. So some people, particularly some of the guys that I teach, they just want to do all of the strong stuff, the hectic stuff. They want to flip. They want to fly. Okay, cool. We can teach all of that kind of stuff. Not interested in dancing. Okay, cool. That's Mm. what you want. You want to be able to do that really, really feel super strong and ninja-like. Great. Then there's other people who don't actually want to do tricks. They just want to dance. They want to feel that flow. They want to find themselves. They want to be a bit more sensual and expressive. Beautiful. There's also people who they want more of a kind of different diverse dance style. So this is kind of the nice part, I think, about how polos evolved in the years since I've been involved. It started as, you know, something that was a relatively narrow type of Um, view of the world and that's purely from the nature of the people who set up the studios that was their background at the time Mm -hmm. Um, so no disrespect it's absolutely valid that's where pole come from and I really enjoy that style it's it's one of my particular favorite styles but I think what's evolved over the years is that you've got now the spread of people who some people do it R&B some people do contemporary some people do really really hard gymnastic style of stuff um, some people do exclusively base work. Um, others, like I'm very much into like an alternative rock and a, a hard exotic type of style. Um, but by the same token, I've also taught lyrical and flowy and contemporary stuff before. So, you know, the different sides of your personality that you're able to kind of pull out and focus on depending on what your mood is at the time. Mm. I think that's actually a really nice part of it. You don't have to sit yourself into a box and say, I am only this person Mm. and this is the only thing that I ever feel and the only thing that I ever want to express Mm. Um, because you're definitely going to have different variations through your life Mm -hmm. and, you know, other things you might be like, "Mm, maybe that's not for me and then you try it and you're actually like, that is so me. That is actually more authentically me than what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but allowing yourself that opportunity to explore is something that's now available, which I think is a really great thing. Yeah, hundred percent. So like, I think when it comes to like your style and everything, like you obviously have like your alternative rock and like exotic hard yeah. style, right? <laughs> and I absolutely love that. And that's what I like totally love about you because I feel like when you're being, I don't know, like all your stage performances and like all the stuff I see, I feel like you're very being genuinely you. Totally. You're expressing who you are as a person and like pretty much just reflecting it on stage. Pretty so much. like how do you think that people can come to their own unique style? Because I think some people do struggle with looking for like their own style. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think also as well, we all start that way. You start with whether it's pole or any other particular type of physical movement or activity style and you start to try and almost mimic the instructors that you have mm. um, because that's what's presented in front of you and you're like okay well I, I need to be like that and you try and move like them and you try and look like them um, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't necessarily work um, I think definitely I did that in my early years as well I'm like, oh geez I really want to move like that particular person because they were like somebody that I looked up to quite a lot at the time but the reality is that's them you you are never going to be as good as they are at that particular movement or style it's you've got to find you you've got to be the best version of you because nobody else can do that mm. it's you are unique you you might do similar steps or similar tricks but you're always going to have your own little flavor your own blend your own nuance to it that makes it exclusively yours so, you know, there's tricks that both you and I do. We'll technically do the trick the same way, but we will make them look completely different. Yeah. Same thing. It's like we will do potentially the same dance steps and same base work or same floor work trick, but we'll both make them look very different mm. because of our own style and flavor. And that comes with a lot of practice, but practice where you're not having to be focused on what you look like in relation to other people. So a lot of experimentation and a lot of allowing yourself to be free to just move and flow. So there's there's a, a bit of a school of thought that goes freestyle. Um, now freestyle is a really hard, intimidating thing for a lot of people. Mm. So like almost controlled freestyle in the sense of, you know what, today I want to play with these three tricks and just see what happens. Put on different musical styles, move to different tempos go in at different speeds, move your hands in different ways, enter and exit them from different ways. So different experiments with kind of a structure around it, mm. um, I found definitely does help or yeah. in a dance style going, there's this particular one or two different type of base work moves that I want to put in there because I really like the vibe and I feel good doing them. Let me see where they flow and not being precious about whether I make a mistake or not, because there is no such thing as a mistake in this. Mm. Um, you know, even a lot of flips, to be perfectly honest, have come from people falling, um, and they've turned them into a tumble or a roll or a flip, and with a lot more technique and control, of course, but a lot of these things have happened by accident um, because it is a pretty young type of sport and art. It's, mm. Things are still evolving. Um, you know, it's social media is a very good example of this. It's you can search and pretty much every day there will be some random wacky new move that's come out yeah. that <laughs> will then trend and then there'll be something else tomorrow and something else tomorrow and something else tomorrow. And 
that's really great because it means that it's evolving so quickly. It's very, um, very interesting to follow. You don't get bored. Um, but in terms of finding your own style, there's there's merit in keeping up with the trends, but there's also a lot of merit in just allowing yourself to put on music, to be in a room by yourself and to do the things that make you feel good, whether that be tricks or dance steps and be like, let me just see what happens when I piece these together and move as I feel good. Mm. And you'll actually come up with your own particular style and you'll start to feel really, really effortless in those moves. They'll feel comfortable. They'll become muscle memory, mm. but you won't look like anybody else. And that's the best thing ever because nobody will be able to replicate you. Mm. So it's really about like being your genuine self and kind of just like emanating that through i guess like your performance or like dance or whatever it is yeah so like who was like your first kind of like inspiration when it comes to like pole oh if i'm being absolutely honest i think we all idolized bobby back in the day Mm. Um, so she she was it um she's a teeny tiny little thing but looked 10 feet tall legs for days whipped the hair around was the epitome of just grace meets sexiness Mm. and we all wanted to dance and move like her Um, but the reality was that she was unique and that's not something that you know as much as you tried to copy it it would always be like a second class variation of it Mm. so I think you know after a few years of trying to copy that I started you know doing lots of workshops everywhere like I I was that person who um, there used to be a lot of touring pole um, artists and things that would come to Australia. So everyone from Natasha Wang to Anastasia Skoptorova to Tata to literally everybody, Bendy Kate, the mm-hmm. lot all came here. I think I spent an absolute fortune going to workshops with <laughs> all of them. Gosh, I don't even want to know like how much you spent on this. My mortgage <laughs> would be a lot better off if I hadn't done it. So. <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but it's it's that kind of stuff where you, it starts to open your eyes to different influences and different ways of being and different ways of moving and things that as I kind of explored with all of them and different teachers in Australia, different studios as well, picking up little pieces that fit me better. Mm. So I think along the way we all kind of – take the best pieces out of every instructor that you come into contact with. And rather than trying to replicate them, you pick the things that resonate with you body wise, movement wise, pattern wise, and you take them on board. And eventually you start to build up this kind of mishmash of things Mm. that is actually intrinsically you, Mm. but it's not a replication or mimicking somebody else. Yeah. So like when it comes to like, your exotic like hard and like alternative rock style where do you think you got that sort of like initial inspiration from is it from like your own kind of like interests obviously it is but well the music definitely yeah um so it's something that i think in the early days of pole there was definitely a sense of you were allowed to listen to that kind of music like it was Mm. not necessarily as hardcore as as i would go these days but you know, you, it was okay to listen to Guns N' Roses and all of that kind of stuff, and it was quite acceptable for that to be blasting into a studio, um, whereas on the radio, you know, it would be Kylie and Top 40 and all of that, <laughs> which is, is actually yeah. quite fun to dance to. And, you know, my Spotify is 
very confused a lot of the time. It's got this and all sorts of other different music on there. Um, but it was accepted to listen to that kind of music. So it's, that was also like part of finding a home within pole. It's because the musical styles that I liked were almost like, well, it's okay to listen to that as a mm-hmm. woman. Um, you know, it w- the kind of music that I tend to dance to a lot would have been typically seen as very male-oriented, masculine type of music, very aggressive, oh. very hard. Mm. And, you know, it's 10, 15 years ago that was that was unusual. Like, women didn't listen to that, let alone dance oh, to that. Okay, that's interesting. I actually never thought of that before. Yeah, so... Yeah. You know, and in a pole environment, not only was it okay, it was actually celebrated Mm. um, to listen to that and to dance to that, and it was totally cool. And then as things evolved along the way, um, the more really hard exotic style um, that I particularly enjoy, um, so Russian exotic but Russian hard, exotic hard is kind of my preferred style that's got a lot of really technical flips and kips and things that you've got to think about Mm. in its choreography um the dancers that were coming out at the time were people like Olga Koda and Kaya Bloom um and everyone that kind of sat in that particular style was suddenly getting more and more popular on Insta and exploding so you looked at that and you're like oh my god that is amazing like that I just I feel that I you know you had that instant urge to go I need to go into the studio and figure out what is going on in this video. And Mm. I remember there was one particular clip of Olga Koda doing, I think it was a handstand flip or something like that at the time that I was obsessed with getting. And it took me an hour to figure out 10 seconds of what she was doing on video. But I just, I wanted to figure it out because I'm like, this is awesome. Like the, the beats hit and it's just, it's, it's hard and it's aggressive and it feels great and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and it's not necessarily that it's aggressive towards other people. It's just that kind of like powerful type of vibe mm. of aggression. So you're like, yeah, bam, we're here. And you're, <laughs> you know, it's confident and it's taking up space and it's allowing you to actually be seen and be heard in the world. Mm. Um, and I think that's that kind of fits with where I've come from in the sense of, you know, being quieter when I was younger mm. to being confident enough to be, yeah, you know, it's it's okay for people to pay attention and I'm okay to take up space and it's cool to be heard and mm. I don't I don't have to be quiet. It's fine for me to listen to loud music and to scream and to bang the floor and smash my heels and clap <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. And it it's fun and it feels good and that's okay mm. and it's good. And I think that's kind of where it's all come from. Right. That totally makes sense because I feel like your stage presence and like your kind of like pick, like music genre is like so different to like your instructing style. Because I think (laughs) when it comes to like you as an instructor, because I've obviously had you as an instructor before, like for how many years now? Like two, three years. (laughs) That like you're so you're so genuine and you're so caring with all of your students and I think that's what everyone like loves about you because you you just genuinely care about all the students but I love that you have like such a huge contrast between like your style and like you as a person I think it also helps to have the differences as well because when you get up on stage and you're trying to perform 
if you're just your normal chilled out self, that doesn't come across very well. Like it's pretty boring for an audience to be. And also you're, you don't have that energy and you don't have that vibe on stage. So allowing yourself to really go to the extremes of something that's kind of like your, your ultimate edge of what you want to be and to be able to put that out there in an environment where, you know, you're on stage, the music is as loud as you want it to be. Mm. The lights are blasting as loud as you want it to be. You can bang that floor as much as you like and that's just going to make everybody feel a little bit more entertained. Mm. Throughout it, and they're going to enjoy it more. The more that you get into that vibe, the better off the show is going to be. Mm. Um, so I think that's kind of like your extreme opportunity to show it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and choreography is a bit like that as well. Like you, it's not necessarily a performance, but you really get to express within dance choreography of that particular style, mm. and you can have a lot of fun with it as well. Mm. So it kind of you know it's okay to swear. It's okay to bang. It's okay to do these things. Mm -hmm. And even if you miss steps and it's not perfect, it actually doesn't matter. Like if you actually do stuff with conviction and you just own it, Mm. go forth, do it. It's totally fine. Nobody will know what happened or what missed. Mm -hmm. You're just like, no, I am me. I am doing this. And this is exactly what I was intending to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. So like when it comes to like instructing your students, like where do you think all that kind of like genuine care and stuff comes from? It's, I know how hard it was when I was first learning and it, it is such a different world today um, in terms of the range of instructors, different backgrounds and the, the technical knowledge and capability to instruct that people have now. Back then, it everyone was self-taught and they were doing a fabulous job of explaining what they had learned themselves or had to figure out themselves. But most of them didn't have a fitness background or didn't have mentors or instructors themselves. They just had to figure things out along the way. Um, and the first generation of pole dancers, um, obviously, they, they had different apparatus, different mm-hmm. environments, all of that kind of stuff to deal with. Yeah. So the, the ability to kind of give you all of the, I think, probably anatomical breakdown of what's going on. Where am I meant to be engaging? Where am I meant to feel it? Um, if this hurts, is that right? Um, no, chances are probably not. Unless it's like skin touching, it's not right if it hurts. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, all of the things about how do I do this? How do I get myself into this bendy particular move? How do, how do I make it look better? Mm. All these things they, they didn't have back in the early days because they were just finding their way themselves mm-hmm. and they were passing on knowledge as quickly as they were gaining it themselves. Um, and definitely along the way, a few of them got injured, all of that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, again, nothing bad about that. It's they were just learning and the sport was so new and so Mm. much of a a little baby sport, a little evolving sport that the knowledge base was exploding Mm. as they were. And I think we're in such a a different space now that having had that and had to figure out a lot of things myself, had to deal with injuries when I was a baby polar. So it's really funny now we will teach everything on both sides is an absolute minimum. It's evening things up, making sure that we're engaging evenly, making sure that you don't hurt yourself, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All of that's very, very solid now. And I'm really quite particular about it because 
in my early days, everything was all on one side. So oh, wow. most instructors were right-handed. You would do everything on the right side, never touch the left side. And for the first year or two, I had one after the other after the other of injuries all on my left side. Really? Yeah. Everything on my left side. Everything Ugh. from a, a, a lat injury to an elbow injury to a, all sorts of different bits and pieces, like a whole laundry list, but all on my left for the one sole reason that we only trained one side. Mm. And so those are the things that, you know, and going through all of that and picking up lots and lots of knowledge along the way from different types of teachers with different backgrounds and various different trainings I've I've done and been certified in from yoga through to Pilates through to anti-gravity yoga and aerials and all sorts of different things. So there's a whole whole whack of trainings that I've done mm-hmm. for mostly for my own knowledge mm. um, because I was interested in it, but they've really helped support filling in gaps along the way mm. so that I can then give people who are trying to learn the package of it all mm. so they can get it quicker, faster, safer than had they not had all of those pieces together. So trying to give them a full picture mm-hmm. rather than just like a sketch or a skeleton outline that they then have to go and figure out themselves. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot of like training to do though. But like that really like kind of pulls me back to like how I think of you, like just as a general person, like you're just like so driven. I feel like you're like certified in like literally like everything. <laughs> There's a lot. And like you work like crazy you work full-time and you like you obviously work you know as a pole instructor (laughs) as well so like I'm like I'm so curious to know like what your kind of like daily well like not daily but like your weekly schedule is like um my weekly schedule it's uh we were kind of talking about this before I literally have to have it on a calendar it's Mm. my it's super organized. I know what's going on each day, not down to the minute or anything, but certainly if I've got appointments or teaching schedules or private lessons or training or whatever, or, you know, even social engagements and blocks, you're mm-hmm. just like, I'm blocking out this time yeah. so I can visually see it. Um, and if it's there, then I can wrap my head around it and I can also be like, okay, cool. I'm organized. I know what I'm doing and I can actually understand where there's, free space and you're like cool that's my chill out time Mm. and sometimes you'll be like yeah I'm gonna keep it that like that other times you're like cool I'm gonna go and learn this new thing or train for myself or whatever but it's all about being organized for me it's I'm not I'm not good if um and this is probably a, a reflection in my classes and things like that as well it's like I'll always have a plan as to to what it is like I would hate to walk into a room and be like hey so what does everybody want to do today like I I Mm. feel like that's not delivering my best Mm -hmm. um to the students and it's also it's a it's a bit lazy Mm. um, as an approach and I know it's some people feel more comfortable free-flowing like that Mm -hmm. whereas I feel like I wouldn't do as good a job Mm. um, if I didn't have that preparation and that kind of flows through to the rest of my life Oh yeah, totally. I see it. Like, I feel like you're always striving for like not perfection. Well, I guess you could say perfection. Like, I don't really like the word perfection because I feel like perfection doesn't really exist, but you always, I feel like you deliver over and like, just like beyond what should be delivered, which that's what I love about you. Like, you're just like, you're always like this 
like everything is just so organized and like your, your, all your classes, I feel like I'm always learning so much and like you teach so well and I'm like, how is she so perfect? Like how is Luna, so like literally, perfect. like I feel like a lot of people really think that way as well. Like in class, you're like that person that just over delivers all the time. And like, how do you think you can, how do you achieve that? Like constantly? It's, I'm definitely not perfect. I'm so far from perfect. I've got lots of flaws. <laughs> hopefully you, we hide them enough. But I, I think the, the biggest thing for me is I, the reason why I do this and is because I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. Um, you know, it's obviously you have a corporate day job. I don't need to teach, mm. but I do it because I want to. And I do a lot of it because I enjoy it. And I want everybody who's in that room to walk out on a high. I want you to all walk out feeling like that you've got something, you've accomplished something. So whether that be that you just felt really good dancing or whether you got the new bendy thing or the crazy trick that was on Insta or just the thing that you've been sitting there and that's been your nemesis for ages Mm. and you've been trying and trying and trying and just hitting your head against the wall and frustrated. If we can figure out how to unlock that for you, then you walk out with this whole oh my God, yes, type of thing. And that's what I want. It's I get such a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment when I see that happening within the room. Mm. That's why I do it. And that's why I will never sit back and be like, oh, well, look, I've been teaching for a while now. So, you know, I'll just rock up Mm. type of thing. It's not, it's, I want you to keep having that experience. And I want everybody to keep feeling like they're just, you know, this is why they come. Mm. And I feel like that's why you have like such a huge kind of like student base that obviously like constantly go to your classes, which I was one of them. I was totally like such a cult following of Luna because I just think that like, you're such a great instructor. You have like such good base knowledge about like everything, as you said, cause you've done, you know, all your training and stuff. <laughs> Which is, like, never a bad thing. Like, you can never have, like, too much training, you know? Well, pretty much. And I think that's if anybody is looking to be instructors, and I know there's there's that kind of vibe that happens as people progress along their journey and they kind of are like, oh, so should I teach type of thing. It's if you want to pass on knowledge, then be a teacher. Mm. Um, you know, it's learn as much as you can and never stop learning it's there's always something new that's developing there's different techniques that are floating around from different genres it's even you know fitness weight training all sorts of different things that applies to what we're doing in pole Mm. Um, but if you you see a, a teacher who it's very much about being the star that's not a teacher Mm. it's that's a performer Mm -hmm. and that's beautiful but that's not a teacher 100 percent. that oh that's like such a good point like i totally agree to that because at the end of the day you have all all your students that are coming in they're paying money to learn so it's kind of like you're supposed to add value to them rather than trying to be kind of like the center of attention which is a complete different kind of like setting exactly exactly i'm like okay cool Pay attention to me when I'm passing on some knowledge to you. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I also should be doing a good enough job that you want to be focusing attention and listening to all the different ways that I'm explaining things. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll generally use lots of different learning techniques through it. So mm-hmm. I'll use verbal explanations of what's going on. I'll use 
physical explanations of stepping it through, actual demonstrations, and then depending on what's appropriate at the time, um, whether it's, you know, obviously in COVID spotting and all of that kind of stuff is a very different vibe. Mm. Um, but I can use physical cues as well if that is appropriate and in a COVID safe environment. Mm -hmm. So it's those are all different facets between basically how people learn is different. Mm. So I'll try and touch on all of those different yeah. types of points so that regardless of who and what they are in the room and how they learn, they're going to be able to pick it up and mm -hmm. some people will be able to pick up multiple of them so that those cues will land so that, cool, now you don't need to pay attention to me anymore. I'm going to support you and help you along the way. But while you're trying it, you've got that information that's embedded within you. Mm. And my job is then just to remind you of it and to help fix things along the way Yeah. as opposed to look at me, demo it, look at me, demo it, look at me, demo it. Mm. Can't I do it really prettily? And that's not, <laughs> that's not useful. It's you can watch videos on Insta doing that. You mm. can watch performance videos. Yeah. And that's what their job is for. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful. And I enjoy doing that as well. But that's in a, a different environment and for a different purpose. Mm. For learning, it's I want you to get all the tips and information and all of the things that you need so you can do that yourself. And that you don't need to keep looking back at me mm. to do that. Oh, wow. Did you hear that? Those were like aspiring instructors. That was like such a good tip. Like, I feel like I'm learning so much today too. Hey, you're <laughs> instructors. Yeah. So if you were to give advice to like our beginner pole dancers, like maybe like a piece of advice that you wish you knew before starting, what would it be? Don't give up literally one piece this is not a sport that you're going to get everything on the first go like that is that's a myth um this is something that you need to work progressively on and that's everybody regardless of their background their body shape male female whatever it's there's going to be so many different factors in this that are going to be different from your body mm. this is like nothing else that you've probably ever done in your life um, it doesn't have parallels. It's not like going to the gym. It's not like doing an aerobics class. It's not like, you know, dancing in the street at the club. It's it's totally different. So your body's going to need some time. Mm. So give your body the time to adapt. Give your body a chance to progress through it. And don't try and push it before it's ready. So this is also going to be building up strength. You're going to be using different muscles that you probably never touched before. Uh, and you're definitely going to feel it the next couple of days after, not during the process. You'll be like, this is fun. This is awesome. You'll feel that soreness the day or two after and be like, wow, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but you've got to give yourself the chance and the time to do it. So practice is great, but also being patient with yourself and allowing yourself to do it over time and progressively rather than trying to go, okay, well, I'm going to get this trick today and I'm going to force myself to do it today and getting upset when it may or may not happen you might be having a slippery day mm. like it's I know even now it's there's tricks that I've done thousands and thousands of times and if it's a slippery day I'll go and put my hand on the pole straight down mm. okay cool I'm not doing that trick today and it's got nothing to do with capability it's because we're talking about the environment or you know, you've had a big day at work and you're tired mm. and, you know, your head's not in the game and all that kind of stuff. Allow yourself to be kind to mm. yourself and to just take it where you're ready at the time 
and you will see that progress um, and you'll feel it within your body and it'll happen but just allow yourself that space to let it happen I love that. Like, that's such good advice because I think sometimes we can be like a worse critic, right? Totally. So be kind to yourself. That's such good advice. Yeah. I think we should wrap up our little podcast show now. So thanks for coming. Amazing. Thank you thanks so much. I feel like I learned, I learned so much just from this interview and I feel like I, I hope that you learned some stuff as well. I mean, that was like so much value. Thanks Hopefully, for listening in. We <laughs> will see you in some classes soon. Yes, we shall. And we'll wrap up now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and also leaving this show with some great tips that can help you and your well-being. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via our website or any other socials on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all at Paul Art Vault. If you also enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show so that you're notified every time I upload an episode. And also will be much appreciated if you can leave a comment and five-star review if you feel like you gained any valuable information. Until next time, keep slaying, hun.